The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fritz. <laughs> Welcome one and all to episode 23 of the Fretzelmania podcast, Wrestlemania Backsplash. I am Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. This podcast can be heard on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast across all common listening platforms. And today... I'll be covering nights one and two of NXT Stand and Deliver, and boy, did they deliver, and nights one and two of WrestleMania. Before I go back to 2001, continuing my 20-year retrospective of the Invasion Era with a Monday Night Raw from April 16th, 2001, from the University of Tennessee. All that and so much more today on Fretzelmania. Now, you might notice a slight change in my audio quality. Uh, I got a firmware update for the Sherpa, the Blue Yeti microphone uh, software that comes with uh, the microphone here. I am trying out some of these new presets for, for the audio quality, and I got a nice cover, like a those little fluffy muff things for my Blue Yeti microphone, so... Now, this podcast is not sponsored by Yeti, but, you know, they they do good stuff. This microphone costs uh, a lot of money, so I'm hoping to get my money's worth. And I hope this sounds better for you. Uh, let me know, like send me a DM or something if you have comments about my audio quality and something I've been working on. I've been podcasting for two and a half years now, and I'm now just getting a grasp on things like presets and and microphone settings i think you'll hear a lot less background noise like you won't hear my fridge running about 10 feet away from me you won't hear cars coming outside because my desk is right by a window so here's hoping now nxt stand and deliver pun intended it absolutely delivered like wrestlemania it was two nights and a two-night takeover is you know, I don't mind it. I don't hate it. I mean, it was basically two TakeOver specials in one because your usual NXT TakeOvers are two hours and change with five banger matches. And there was a lot of bangers in here. It just was go, go, go. The opening match, at least in the pre-show, had Tony Storm... Going up against Zoe Stark. You know, Zoe Stark is a relative newcomer to NXT and has been making waves, you know, putting on a really good match with Io Shirai a couple of weeks ago, trying to make a name for herself. And she attempted to do so going up against another former champion, that being former NXT UK women's champion, the recently turned heel. The cocky one, Tony Storm. And there was a superplex here from Zoe Stark. You know, Tony barely dodged a shining wizard only to get smashed with a German suplex. And Stark connected on a shining wizard for the two. And after near fall counters from Storm, Zoe hits a super kick. A series of suplexes set up the Storm Zero. But Zoe Stark managed to cradle her opponent for the win. And if you heard that, I must apologize. A certain unnamed iPhone person must have got her name mixed up from someone on this roster. <laughs> they showed that amazing video package showcasing the feud between Adam Cole, baby. And Kyle O'Reilly, something that would be main eventing night two. This is a strong opener that just 
it showcased the women's division, which could be the best women's division in all of professional wrestling. You know, even as I record this on, on Tuesday night, just after NXT, the division got even better with the arrival of the artist formerly known as Taya Valkyrie, Frankie Monet. And Frankie Monet uh, went right up to the current NXT Women's Champion. Y'all know who it is, but I'm just going to go in order of the show here. Opening the show was Kushida versus the best technical wrestler in NXT, the Bruiserweight, Pete Dunne. And Kushida tripped up Pete Dunne early to showcase his technical prowess. But the Bruiserweight turned the fight quickly into a brawl and showcased his own technical wrestling ability. There was a running knee here. Pete Dunne, of course, he's using all of the joint manipulation, snapping the fingers to set up a bitter end. But Kushida managed to counter into a fisherman suplex. Kushida flipped Dunn off the top rope right into the hover lock, but Pete made it to the ropes twice as Kushida continued to shift his weight and shift holds. Eventually, Pete Dunn would catch the superstar's fingers in his tight grip, snap them, lands a really nice roundhouse kick, and then the bitter end to win the match. It was a great opener that got the crowd going, and there was a little bit of a crowd at the Capitol Wrestling Center, which was nice to see. It was a mixture of Thunderdome screens and actual members of the audience. Izzy was in there, so big, big shout-out to Izzy. Our next match was the Gauntlet Eliminator to determine the number one contender for Johnny Gargano's North American Championship on night two. We had Isaiah Swerve Scott, Leon Ruff, Cameron Grimes, Bronson Reed, Dexter Loomis, and L.A. Knight. And this was just your classic Cluster F multi-man match. It started off with two people, uh, Swerve and Ruff, who are still feuding. And after even tonight's match on NXT, yes, they are still feuding again. Eventually, everyone got in the ring here. Loomis caught Grimes in the silence, but Knight slipped in and Jackknife pinned Loomis for a surprise elimination, uh, which I, I, I thought that that was the winner right there, that we were going to see the, the tortured artist get the win. But this was a big upset in LA Knight. Right after that, ate a running senton and I think like a Samoan drop or something. Eventually it was down to Bronson Reed. And of all people, Isaiah Swerve Scott, the final two. Bronson hit an amazing powerbomb. A reverse pile driver that just looked absolutely vicious. Like some kind of inverted rever reverse tombstone-y move. I don't know what it was. I think Frankie Kazarian used to use it, but it looked stiff. It looked vicious. And the Colossal One is the number one contender for Johnny Gargano on night two. The format served the competitors well, although I felt a little awkward at times. It reminded me of those gauntlet-esque matches that TNA used to do where it would be a Royal Rumble, you know, a battle royal, until the last two people are in the ring and you get a proper match. And oh, speaking of proper match, excuse me for a minute. Um, hydrate yourself, everybody, especially if you're going to be doing podcasting. The UK Championship match between Walter and Tommaso Ciampa. Oh boy, this match. Oh my lord. I mean, Walter, he had a great back-to-back -back here on NXT. You know, he had two successful title defenses against Tommaso Ciampa. And the next day on the UK Prelude, 
against Rampage Brown, and both of those matches were meaty men slapping meat. Although Champa's not a meaty guy, you know, like Walt, like guys like Walter or Big Beef or Tyree Taylor or Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley. They're not like that. But Champa's more of a jacked guy. And we've been wondering, the NXT audience here, have been wondering if we were going to get the Blackheart just as he promised. If we were going to get an NXT TakeOver Champa at this show, Walter should be very, very concerned. And lo and behold, we got classic TakeOver Blackheart Champa. I'm talking bald heel Champa post-DIY. Walter chopped the announce table almost in half. You know, the same announce table that crumbled when uh, Tony Storm basically touched it. So uh, what's more powerful, Tony Storm's butt <laughs> or a Walter chop? So the Blackheart battered Walter with running clotheslines. You know, we saw the fairy tale ending get dropped here for a shocking near fall. Walter was almost out on his feet. He was clearly rattled. Not able to get up after an emphatic running knee. Thank you to Bleacher Report here for uh, the use of words that I wouldn't usually use. Walter hit a gross German suplex and a clothesline from hell that nearly won the match. But Tommaso dragged the ring general to the ground and just started laying in the fists. The two fought to the top rope where Champa hit an air raid crash off of the top rope for another near fall. And the two men traded chops in the ring before Walter threw him to the mat and then began to stomp on Champa's surgically repaired neck, his fused neck. And as a man with Spinal fusion screws in his back. I felt that. I felt those two power bombs. I felt that release German suplex. And then the coup de gras, but except not that move because this wasn't Finn Balor. A chop right in the chest. Just one final beat. Not that one. For the win. And that was enough to put away the black heart. Now, a lot of people were given out about. Really? He lost to a chop? Well, here's the thing. People use kicks for finishers. They use punches for finishers. Big Show is WMD. The Texas Tornadoes Tornado Punch, RIP. Uh, you know, the super kick. A clothesline. You know, these basic moves. But with the right people, with the right execution and the right gimmick, it is over. And this chop... Walter knew that this was his last chance. That was the last beat. That was enough to put down Champa. And it wasn't a move that would overexert Walter. So it both, you know, it worked both ways like that. An amazing match. And this was one of Walter's best UK championship matches. And he's had some bangers. He's had matches against Joe Coffey, against. Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate and Ilya Dragunov and Rampage Brown. It was, it was just so damn good. A clash of styles in a way, but it really worked out. NXT Tag Team Championships, MSK versus Grizzled Young Veterans versus Legado Del Fantasma. After Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch had to vacate the title due to injuries, these three teams were put in here. And this is your classic WrestleMania-esque triple threat tag team action just without a ladder. We're going to get to the ladder in a little bit. Gibson had the Shankly Gates locked in on Carter forever. And there was a spot where they were going for the DIY revival, you know, double tapping out spot. But I think it was Carter grabbed his, grabbed his partner's hand so he couldn't tap the mat. Because the Shankly Gates is a submission hold that won Gibson the uh, was the UK tournament a couple of a couple of years ago, 
during the early days of the NXT UK. GYV and MSK eventually took out Legado del Fantasma. There was a ticket to Mayhem reversed into a double cutter, and then that blockbuster spinebuster move gave MSK the win and the tag team championships. And these three teams, if this is going to be your Edge and Christian, Hardys and Dudleys of NXT, then you know what? I'm all for it. It's fantastic. Although Legato Del Fantasma, as of tonight, are all without gold as Kushida defeated Santos Escobar to win the Cruiserweight Championship. So they're going to be goldless, but I don't think for long because I think these three teams are the bread and butter of the tag team division, and they showed it. This match was amazing. I was hoping for GYV because I just love those those dastardly heels. Uh, I'm still still waiting for them to not say we are soon to be recognized. They will be saying things like we are now recognized NXT Tag Team Champions, blah, blah, blah. Fantastic. I love this match. Main event of night one for the women's championship, Io Shirai versus Raquel Gonzalez. And finally, Raquel gets her moment after pinning Shirai in the women's War Games match in November. A title match has finally taken place. Uh, at some point in time, Io Shirai jumps off the skull that was at the entranceway of the arena. It was very deadly game from Survivor Series 1998. You want to know what I think of that? It's way back in the Game Changer archives. I think it's one of the first shows that Nate and I reviewed. By the way, shout out uh, to Nate. Uh, we got to collab sometime, buddy. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll hit you up. This match was awesome. It was another clash of styles. The genius of the sky versus this Amazon, basically. You're big, big China-esque woman. Do I want to say that? Yeah, just you're, you're bigger bigger lady here. And Io Shirai threw everything at Raquel Gonzalez, but it wasn't enough. Shirai did hit her moonsault, but Gonzalez still kicked out. Gonzalez hits that one-armed powerbomb. That is it. And she is the new NXT Women's champion and it looks like you know again i'm going to be digging back into a little bit of nxt tonight that mercedes martinez is going to be her first feud perhaps now on to night two and this pre-show match was uh, determining number one contenders to the tag team championship and that of course was between brazango and drake maverick and killian dane What's up, Mr. YLP? <laughs> yeah, we've been having a little bit of a back and forth. I'm poking a little bit of fun at uh, his disdain for the Fury and the Furry. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I really love what they what they did. Uh, of course, tonight they did not win the NXT Tag Team titles. I don't know if they broke up because I didn't watch the entirety of NXT because I was watching uh, Kings of the Rings do their live stream. Shout out to Kings of the Rings. And I was also uh, watching NXT at the same time. So I didn't get to see what happened there. If they broke up, then that's good. But it's coming because Killian Dane and Imperium. You know what, Zach? There is something there. But yeah, this was just your still strange bedfellows tag team. Killian Dane wasn't really having it. He wasn't having the... The whole, the whole dancing shtick and, and the music. He's still giving out about it, but he powerbombed his own tag team partner onto Fandango for the win. So, yeah, there's still a bit of a love-hate, hate-hate, love-love, hate-love, whatever kind of relationship here. Your basic tag team match, it was filler. It did the thing. Cruiserweight Championship ladder match to determine... The undisputed cruiserweight champion between Santos Escobar 
and Jordan Devlin. You know, Jordan Devlin won the Cruiserweight title last year. I, I believe Worlds Collide or maybe Portland. And then since the pandemic hit, he hasn't been able to uh, come to America to defend his title. So they had to create another title as a placeholder that, of course, was won by Santos Escobar, defeating Drake Maverick in the finals through a tournament last year. A very, very good tournament at that. This match was filled with classic ladder spots. Uh, because Shawn Michaels was the one to put the ladder in the middle of the ring when they were having their face-off, you'd expect some WrestleMania 10 esque ladder spots here. There was a couple of ones here. I mean, we saw a Spanish fly, a springboard spinning cutter, Devlin with a picture-perfect moonsault off the top of a Jeff Hardy-esque ladder. Uh, Raul Mendoza and Yaquin Wild, of course, ran interference to attack Devlin. They were sent to the back. The Irish ace did cover, recover here, and hit a Spanish fly off of the ladder, but because you hit it on someone that speaks fluent Spanish, it wasn't very effective. The two stopped at each other at the top of the ladder, and Escobar headbutted Devlin off of the ladder through another ladder that snapped in half that looked absolutely vicious. And the undisputed cruiserweight champion at the end of TakeOver was Santos Escobar. An amazing opener, a great ladder match, a lot of really inventive spots here. Uh, that Irish ace moonsault, mwah, magnifique. NXT Women's Tag Team Championships, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon versus The Way. And this match was good. Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell struck Shotzi and, Bla and uh, Ember right. Right at the bell here. And they went all hell for leather here. Uh, this was a great coming out match, at least in my mind, for Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell is another you know, t bigger, taller, Amazon-type woman, for lack of better terms. I apologize for that. I had Futurama on the brain where the Planet Express crew goes to Planet Amazonia and is sentenced to death by snoo-snoo. <laughs> Anyways, here, uh, eventually the war goddess connected with a double eclipse and Shotzi planted them, planted Indy with a diving senton for the win. There was a lot of invented, inventive tag team maneuvers here from the champions. Indy Hartwell was someone that looked really good in this match. Uh, I, I said it to, to Zach, actually, Mr. YLP. Or I was tweeting, I was tweeting this on WrestleLytic Radio. That's what I was doing, and we were having a chat. And I'm thinking that Indy could be a challenger for the NXT women's title by the end of the year. This is someone I think they could slow build and slow burn and have a bright future in this division. Because you have her, you have Raquel Gonzalez, and, and you even have Candice LeRae herself, uh, Frankie Monet. Uh, Mercedes Martinez, you have an amazing division. You know, even the even the tag teams, the rest of the tag teams here. Tion, well, I haven't seen Tion Shaw in action yet, but hey, let's put Tion Shaw in there because why not? North American Championship match: Johnny Gargano and Bronson Reed. Your classic Davy and Goliath match here. Johnny Gargano is a fantastic prick heel, and the Colossal kept hitting Johnny wrestling hard. Throughout this match. Just power that the power spots. The colossal one landed a power bomb. Austin Theory was out saving the pinfall, which set off Reed. He threw Gargano into Theory and hit a suicide dive on the outside man. And in a reverse power driver from Reed, but he struggled to pin the champion. And he even hit a couple. I think he hit more than one tsunamis. And then when Bronson went for the moonsault, Gargano dodged and hit not one final beat, but two final beats 
to retain here in an amazing match. I thought Bronson would have had this. Uh, in my mind, I think, why have a number one contender match for one night when you're going to not win the title the next night? But based, again, on NXT, I think this feud is going to continue. Ooh, NXT Championship, Finn Balor and Karrion Cross, A fantastic, hard-hitting match here. Finn was asking them to bring all of it. The Doomsday Saito suplex, the coup de gras, the Pele kick, all of that. The coup de gras was not enough to pin Karrion Cross, but that pinfall, Cross turned it into his straight jacket sleeper hold. The prince managed to escape and trapped the challenger into a rings of Saturn. Ooh. Scarlet encouraged Cross by speaking in tongues to escape. The hold, he heard her, hit a Saito suplex, a rolling elbow or like a clothesline to the back or whatever that was, that forearm smash to the back of the neck. And we have a new NXT champion in Karrion Cross. In the main event of night two, the unsanctioned match between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, baby. And the video package I can't put over enough leading up to this was so friggin' good. And this match here gave me DIY vibes. Gargano, Champa vibes from a couple of years ago. They went all over the place. There was chairs and weapons and a lot of chain wrestling here. LOL. Uh... <laughs> And there was just the Panama Sunrise. There was a spot where O'Reilly caught Cole in a guillotine. And then they fell forward through the stage. And, and then Kyle O'Reilly kicked a hole in the bottom of the stage, dragged out his former friend into the ring here. And there was a brain buster on the steel steps. The last shot, but O'Reilly ducked. He kind of frumped down like Johnny Gargano did during their two out of three falls match. So clearly, Kyle O'Reilly was reading the tape. And O'Reilly answered his with his very own version of the last shot of a shining wizard to win. The two fought near the top rope and O'Reilly caught Cole with a low blow. The very same symbolic low blow. That basically started their feud. Finally, O'Reilly wrapped his knee with a chain and did a diving knee drop into Cole, who was like kind of hobbled over a, a sitting steel chair to finally win. Adam Cole was stretchered out of NXT and some claim that that is him done on the black and gold brand. Although I think this feud could continue, maybe that's right. No, Riley can focus on bigger and better things like the NXT Championship. Stand and deliver. Uh, you know, I'm not going to crown this. That's <laughs> that's Kings of the Rings jobs. But I'm going to give this one five stars, although I'm not Dave Meltzer. WrestleMania. The first WrestleMania in front of a live audience, which was apparently... 20 to 25,000 people. I know a few people who were there. There were some podcasts that follow me on Instagram. I think like the real over boys were there. Wade was there. Balor Club guy was there. And I was jealous of them because I was watching from uh, Ontario, Canada, where, uh, well, you know, lockdown, stay at home. But yeah, <laughs> We're not having any of it. I'm not going to get into politics here, so I will press on. WrestleMania began with rain delay and off-the-cuff unscripted promos. Hey, Vince, you see what happens when wrestlers don't have a script? A lot of them can think on the fly. You'd think professional wrestlers would be good at improv, lo and behold, they are. 
Vince McMahon and the entire WWE roster, including Jinder Mahal, who hasn't been seen in a year and a half or so, were shown on the stage as Vince McMahon welcomed us to WrestleMania. We had uh, America the Beautiful sang by, I don't know who did either night. I just know the girl the first night. Um, If I could borrow a phrase from a dear friend, I am just a man. I am merely just a man. And what better way to start WrestleMania, after the rain that is, than the WWE Championship. The first thing an audience sees is Drew McIntyre. In a bit of a sad, ironic twist, because Drew McIntyre winning the WWE title was the last thing that was shown on WrestleMania last year, although it was to no fanfare, as it was at the empty performance center. He challenges the almighty Bobby Lashley. You know, we went from the Thunderdome to a thunderstorm, and Bobby Lashley having lightning as uh, his <laughs> pyro, which I found kind of kind of hilarious. This is a 14-match card here, so I'm going to try and bang this one out quickly, giggity, because I've been going for a half hour, and I still have Raw to talk about, and of course, also my bed beckons. WWE Championship match between Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley was a big, meaty man slapping meat match. As I say, wearing my big beef shirt I got on on uh, ProWrestlingTees.com. Uh, shout out to them. And shout out to uh, Big Beef from the Limitless Wrestling Double Vision pay-per-view last month. And this was a hard-hitting physical match. A several belly-to-belly suplexes by Drew McIntyre. Uh, three consecutive future, sh- future shock. DDTs, uh, three amigos, or three mates, if you will. And before Drew could deliver the Claymore, a well-timed distraction by MVP, bought Lashley just that little bit of time to allow him to move out of the way of the kick and apply the hurt lock once more for the pass-out win. Lashley is still the WWE champion and at backlash or as they call the next pay-per-view WrestleMania backlash, which why? <sighs> yeah, whatever. I'm talking about backlash 2001 on the 20 ball salute only on Patreon, by the way. So that's your WrestleMania after pay-per-view as well. So we'll have to see where that plays out. The tag team turmoil match should determine the number one contenders for the women's tag titles on night two was messy, disjointed, uneven, and ugly. It was rushed. It led to sloppy work, missed spots, no flow, and the coup de gras, Mandy Rose slipping on the entrance ramp, which is now getting driven into the ground, much like Nia's hole. We saw the Riot Squad, Tamina and Natalia. uh, Mandy and and Dana and uh, Naomi and Lana eventually here. Surprisingly, Tamina and Natalia won to advance tonight too. I thought we were going to get the Riot Squad was a dead ringer. Terrible match. I didn't care for it. But then one of the matches I was looking forward to the most here was Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. And in the 10 years or so that Cesaro has been in the WWE, he's never had a one-on-one match at WrestleMania. He'd always either been part of a tag team or the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, most notably the one that he won after body slamming the big show over the top rope in an impressive power spot. Speaking of impressive power spots, uh, how about that UFO that Cesaro did, you know, that Torturac air, airplane spin that he did uh, with no hands. Amazing spot here. He swung Seth Rollins 23 times before finishing him off 
with a neutralizer, but not before Seth hit some fantastic spots in his own, including a twisting frog splash, getting out of the neutralizer, flipping out of that and hitting the pedigree of all things, hitting that springboard knee to the back that he used to use in the shield. Seth Rollins was bringing all of it, complete with his new entrance theme, which I don't hate. Cesaro finally gets his WrestleMania moment here, and I'm hoping that this is the beginning of something special for the Swiss Superman. Raw Tag Team Championship match, The New Day versus AJ Styles and Omos. This was uh, Omos's first singles match in the WWE, and no, I am not counting. That time he wrestled as the Giant Ninja, because that doesn't count. The crowd was begging for almost eventually to get into this match. AJ Styles was the babyface in peril, except he is not the babyface. He was the one that was taking all the offense before almost would come in, hit the hot tag, for lack of better terms here, and almost overpowers New Day, eventually winning here with a double-handed choke slam. not before... AJ Styles would hit a phenomenal forearm from the shoulders of the seven-foot behemoth. And now AJ Styles is a Grand Slam winner. And in a match that I thought I would absolutely despise because of the two people that are in it, you know, I didn't hate it as much as I thought it would. It was kind of fun. The build-up was bad, but the delivery was better. The steel cage match between Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon was full of valid criticism surrounding the build, the whole the classic bully thing, basically the Nia Jax Alexa Bliss build from a few years ago. And now look at actually look at them both. Um yikes. Uh before the match, of course, Elias and Jackson Riker would get involved and try to weaken the big man, but to no avail. Shane McMahon would hit the coast to coast, but that was really really early in the match. Nothing would happen. Eventually, they got to the top of the cage. Shane McMahon was trying to escape, but Braun managed to reach through the mesh, rip it open, bring Shane back into the match, yeet him off the top of the cage. Shane McMahon does a flipping back bump into the ring. Holy crap, ouch. And then, to add insult to injury, a running power slam by Braun. Uh, if that was Braun, I would have just like done a diving splash from the cage while I was standing up there going like, to celebrate his win. <laughs> it was overkill, and it was perfect overkill. And in the best celebrity match I've ever seen, this shut me up, because I've criticized Bad Bunny's music in the past. I've talked trash about Bad Bunny being on my screen. Why is he here? Straight up, I don't like his music. Not my cup of tea. But when he stepped foot in that ring, when he did what he did in that ring, he got my respect. Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus The Miz and John Morrison. This was uh, a coming out party for Bad Bunny. You know, although Bad Bunny is not a professional wrestler, he had been working his ass off at the PC since the Royal Rumble, maybe even before training with the likes of of Brian Kendrick. You know, I can see a lot of Kendrick in his offense here. Adam Pierce was also helping him train. Uh, Bad Bunny was the guy that took all the offense in this match. I mean, he, he could bump. He knew the psychology. He knew the facial reactions. And he could do the moves. Like, he did, like, you know, a Tornado DDT, a Canadian Destroyer, to the outside, uh, a diving crossbody while uh, Damian Priest had Miz up for the, uh, you know, the doomsday device here for the win. But Bad Bunny, you know, he's a man that loves and respects the, the wrestling business. And Miz, bumping his ass off for him, selling for Bad Bunny, which at the time, I'm just like, what? But then... I saw this match play out beautifully. And the professionalism from these four men in their respective spots in their match, you know what? That's good. I'm not going to listen to Bad Bunny, but, you know, I'm going to give him the respect he deserves 
for this fantastic match. And I think it's the best match I've seen that involves a celebrity. And I've seen some stinkers. And the main event of night one of WrestleMania was historic because not only was it the first one-on-one women's main event, it was also the first time two black women main evented WrestleMania. And you can tell the emotion was about to run wild here. Even before the bell rings, Bianca Belair was crying. Sasha Banks was trying to hold back the tears herself. And this turned out to be a beautiful match with everything surrounded Belair's athleticism and Banks' repeated efforts to negate that athleticism by sticking to her veteran tactics. The fans were invested throughout this entire thing. Eventually, after an amazing back-and-forth match, something that I've criticized in the past, the hair whip came out to play here, and it sounded like a Walter Chop when, when Bianca grabbed her hair because I think, you know, Sasha was grabbing it herself and smashed Sasha right in the stomach with it and hit the KOD for the win and new women's champion on SmackDown. Her and uh, her husband, Montez Ford, came out, I think after the cameras were rolling, and celebrated with Bianca. You know, And Bianca was overwhelmed with emotion. Fantastic stuff. Night one of WrestleMania, fantastic. Night two had its moments, but it was the weaker of the bunch. And the weakest of the bunch here was a match I was looking forward to the most. The Fiend and Randy Orton. Uh, the Fiend came out in a giant jack-in-the-box that Alexa Bliss was winding. That is one way to wind up the crowd because eventually the red lights got brought back and uh, a lot of people were very, very critical of it. I thought it was a nice touch uh, because it was so dark out at in, in Raymond James at the time. Anyways, the, the red light, okay, this time it worked. But then eventually Alexa Bliss emerged back from the jack-in-the-box scooging her black goo and the fiend held out his heel hand if you've noticed ate a single RKO and Randy Orton won oh that was trash that was shit that was bad and once again Bray Wyatt got screwed at Wrestlemania by Randy Orton now, I think they're telling a bigger story here. Like the Firefly Funhouse this week, Bray Wyatt was all, you know, praise the Lord, kind of like reborn and rejuvenated. But I think he's on the verge of a full-on psychotic break. Now, Alexa Bliss was basically saying stuff like, you know, maybe, oh, I, I used him and, and whatnot. So are we getting a feud between Alexa and Bray? Is there someone else that Alexa is puppeteering? And no, I'm not talking about that creepy, stupid puppet that she brought out in the playground. That was dog shit. Dud. Hated it. And it really soured me for, you know what? The, ne the next match, I didn't care for it because I was still pissed at it. Even though I was tweeting on the war account, I was trying to get into it, but... Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Tamina and Natalia for the Women's Tag Team Championship. We had a decent match here, but eventually there was the curfew to clutch. The champs retained. Uh, Tamina was getting a lot of uh, positive reactions here. She's never won a title in WWE. Give her a chance. Just, just give her a chance. You know... <sighs> the match was fine, but... Again, why have a number one contendership for night one when you're not going to win on night two? Okay, this one, th this match here really, really picked me up, and that was Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Something I've been waiting years, years to see at WrestleMania. And finally, this feud that goes all the way back to Generico and Steen in Ring of Honor to a Loser Leaves Town match at ROH Final Battle 2000, I think it was nine or ten. Um, a few that goes back to the beginning of NXT, the first first takeover, second takeover, yeah, something like that. 
a great quick back and forth match that, that had the unfortunate duty of having Logan Paul involved. But after Kevin Owens won with the stunner, Logan Paul raised his hand in victory. And Kevin Owens looks at his own hand, says, sod it, I give you the starter too, and send the fans hope, uh, home happy. And what made me happy was Riddle versus Sheamus, because the finish of the match saw Sheamus hit a bro kick on a moonsaulting upside-down Matt Riddle, busted his face open here. This was another big meaty men slap meat match. I loved it. It was so good. Sheamus is once again the United States champion. In a full circle moment, Nate, take a shot. Ten years ago at WrestleMania 27, Sheamus and Daniel Bryan wrestled a dark match for the United States championship that wound up in a no contest. Something that soured them both that led to their WrestleMania match the following year that Sheamus would win in 18 seconds. A Nigerian drum fight for the Intercontinental title. Big E defending against Apollo Crews. And while there were drums surrounding ringside, none of them were Nigerian. They looked like bongo drums. This was just another hardcore match with uh, kendo sticks and chairs and whatnot. And eventually, the formerly known as Daba Kato, apparently now known as Commander Aziz, helped Apollo win the Intercontinental title. Now, a lot of people think, like, What's about this Dabakato guy? Well, he is both Nigerian and Polish. So it kind of works out here. This was a very intense, hardcore match, like a rock bottom on the steps. There was a lot of really cringy spots in this match, but I loved it. Raw Women's Champ Championship match, Asuka and Rhea Ripley. Rhea was ready for Asuka as she hits the Riptide to win the title here. And in the triple threat main event, Universal Championship match, Daniel Bryan, Edge, Roman Reigns. Uh, Jey Uso got involved many times in this match and paid for it dearly. Edge and Roman speared each other. Daniel Bryan hit the yes lock with a piece of a chair. Roman Reigns then snaps on hits both edge and daniel bryan with concertos to win the match and roman reigns getting booed at wrestlemania with a crowd just like old times now that has been a long review of these four nights i got one to go i got monday night raw from 2001 Sit back, folks. Get comfy if you haven't been already. Get a drink ready. And we're going back to 2001. Welcome back to Fretzelmania, folks. Mr. Fretz here. It's now time to talk about Monday Night Raw from April 16th, 2001 from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, home of the 1982 World Fair, and the Sun Sphere, now known as the Wig Sphere, if you get that reference. Big can of Coke to you here. And of course, this segment of the show is brought to you by Wrestle Addict Radio's Patreon for only five bucks a month. You get amazing shows that you don't get normally on the Wrestle Addict Radio feed, including The Secret Files, Fretz's Fave five the 20 bell salute and so much more and access to a group chat with a bunch of amazing folks and 15 percent off of our merch keep your ears peeled and your ears to the ground for a new merch coming from all of us myself included starting off the show here vince reviews the divorce that was laid out to him by Linda McMahon just last week. And he laments his marriage here, but then goes over the sacred institution of marriage, that marriage should be forever until death do us part. Uh, Vince, what about cheating? Uh, you have cheated on your wife uh, a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> 
by this point. Uh, in the words of Letterkenny, once they cheat, it's over. No exceptions. Put a pin in that and saying things like, divorce should be illegal. Half the problems today are because of divorced parents. I'll think of the children and my assets. Assets. And then out of nowhere, Deborah comes out to the ring. I heard that twangy country music, and there was no way in hell that Jeff Jarrett was making his way back to the WWE so soon after being G-O-N-N-E. And basically here, the gist of this is uh, Vince McMahon shifting the blame of all of this and saying that Deborah is a negative influence on Steve Austin and maybe this divorce was all his idea or something. And now that we have the real Stone Cold and says, you know, without, behind every great man is a great woman, but I guess uh, you're the exception to this. Slap in the face. And then after that backstage, Austin is yelling at his wife. And Vince McMahon leaves. <sighs> Women, eh? Classy, classy events. WWE Tag Team Championship match here between Edge and Christian and the Hollies, Crash and Bob Sparky Plug, Hardcore Holly himself, the light heavyweight champion, Crash Holly. And Edge hands Paul a piece of paper, and, and Paul, you know, goes to the microphone, basically like, you know, look over there, don't look. And just as this match is starting, Rhino gores Bob Holly. Before it officially gets underway, Bob Holly has worked over throughout most of this mash match. Crash hits the hot tag, a DDT, a spinning bulldog. And Edge hits the spear here. Molly hits the Molly go round, the hollow of famer. Molly Holly hits the Molly go round for a close two count here. And in a Finish of the match, Crash Holly goes for the crossbody, but the classic Midnight Express reversal, Edge has the tights and the champs retain. New Intercontinental Champion Jeff Hardy is backstage. Yes, this should be noted here that Raw started off with a highlight from SmackDown where Jeff Hardy won the Intercontinental title from Triple H. And tonight, Triple H wants his rematch. There is unfinished business here between Team Extreme and the two-man power trip. And a limousine or a car, a sports car or something, pulls up to the ring with the license plate WCW1. Holy crap, that's Eric Bischoff, Shane McMahon. Yo, you're dealing with the X-Factor, the favorite faction of one apron bump podcast. Just incredible. Versus Bubba Ray Dudley, still no Uncle, Uncle Cracker, and sadly, I'm sorry Mr. Bump, but no <laughs> Uncle Cracker on the network. Although I do have a VHS of Backlash 2001 hanging around somewhere in this apartment. And uh, Paul, ever so classy, goes, um, <clears throat> Monday Night Raw is brought to you tonight by the JVC Gigatube. Oh. By Foot Locker, uh, the, the House of Hoops, uh, Sassafras, and by Chef Boyardee, overstuffed. I just love when Paul gets his shit in all the time here. Then we see, you know, EC Dub. This is a classic ECW match, although I'm not sure that these two were ever in the company at the same time. Maybe for a little bit towards the end of the Dudley Boys run when they were on their way to the WWE. Xbox chants are so powerful that they're even belted out when he's not even in the match. The hate is real. Xbox interferes. Just incredible hits a super kick and on the outside of the ring, Albert hits a bicycle kick to Devon on the outside. A bubble bomb is not enough here. Justin begs off Bubba, Bubba Ray Dudley. He misses with a flying senton and just incredible dives right into a Bubba KO out of nowhere. The Bubba Cutter, the RKO for the win. No, 
Albert pulls the referee out of the match here. X-Pac gets a heel kick on Bobby Ray for the kick out. There is a was up after a, a distraction spot. And uh, Bubba Ray Dudley wins after Devon headbutts just incredible right in the balls. Grandmaster Sexay is backstage talking to Shane. Uh, Sexay is talking in uh, nonsense in some random street language that uh, not even the teenagers that I work with today would be talking about. Not that teenagers of today would be talking slang from 20 years ago that wasn't even slang. 20 years ago. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Steven Richards is interviewed backstage, uh, alluding, there's a lot of alluding going on to the ending of the right to censor. The PTC did nothing wrong. And Richards vows to right the wrongs and fight for justice and fight for the title that they oppose so much. The hardcore title. Angle is whining about William Regal here, the commissioner, doing his usual commissioner duties and making the people of Knoxville look smart. And Christian is trying to signal to Kurt Angle that uh, the commissioner is right behind him. It's like, what's wrong with him? Does he have mad cow disease? And what is with that fake accent right behind you? Oh, um... Blah, 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 blah. Uh, oh, sunshine, let's go have a talk uh, in, in my office. And then Christian coughs. Or he goes to his urine. Hey, hey, hey Christian, uh, you should see a doctor about that. <laughs> these dorks, every time all of these people are together, it's funny. Uh, Matt Hardy jumps Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H. Uh manages to uh, see him after the fact, and Stephanie is watching this. No, Triple H and Stephanie are watching this on TV. It's like, damn, Matt's crazy. Hardcore championship match here. Raven does not get involved in this because I wrote my notes wrong. It's Steven Richards versus Kane for the hardcore title. I am an idiot. When Kane was in mid Pyro pose. Richards decides to take that time to hit Kane on the head of the trash can, who no sells it. That's Hall of Fame Kane, by the way. There's a brawl to the back where a right to censor jumps them, and a horn blows from a random big truck, a big rig. Shout out to Big uh, Big Rig on YouTube. Video game guy, pretty cool. And uh, Taker comes out and emerges out of this truck, hits a snake eyes, into the truck Kane does onto Richards for the win. And then Taker just kneels down to Richards. He's like, forget the good fight. Go find a good woman. Uh, take, I've been trying for 20 years. Ain't happened yet. And we see uh, a bit of foreshadowing here because the following year, Richards would be accompanying one Victoria. Deborah and Austin leave. Stone Cold with his comically large cooler full of beer. And away they go. Kurt Angle versus Chris Jericho is up next. And Jericho urges Kurt Angle to shut the hell up. There is a springboard dropkick. Angle rings Jericho's bell. E with a bell. Be Ring bell to the stomach, to the belly. Good lord, I... <laughs> That was terrible. Uh, leave this table alone. We don't speak Spanish, <laughs> says Paul Heyman when they are brawling in front of the announce table. <laughs> oh, that was a great spot. There is a sleeper here, but Jericho finally gets his hope spot. Kurt locks in the ankle lock, but Chris Jericho reaches, reaches the ropes. And Enzigiri, a bulldog, nope, that is not enough. Regal comes out. It's a two-on-one. Chris Benoit comes out to even the odds. And after the commercial break, William Regal challenges Chris Benoit. Get out here, you miserable specimen. Get your bloody caucus out here. Uh, a German suplex. An Air Canada, which is a big nope because Chris Benoit always messes with the Air Canada. 
William Regal locks in some unorthodox holds, according to JR, and although there were no actual chains involved here, there was some fantastic chain wrestling, European-slash-Canadian-slash-Japanese style here. Lots of Germans, lots of chops. Angle jumps Benoit, but Jericho says no. There is a William Regal stretch reversed into a crossface for the win. Test Billy Gunn and Raven have an unusual backstage interaction here, although they're going to be a six-person tag team match with them and the Radicals later tonight. And uh, my pleasure and torment is to tag with you, says Raven. Yeah, it will be my pleasure and torment to tag with you. Fate, destiny, pain, something, something, something. And Test is like, the hell did he just say? The Hardy Boys here are talking about Jeff's match with Triple H here. Matt's like, you know, H is going to want to cripple you here. And Lita is coming here, much to the chagrin of her boyfriend, Matt Hardy. Basically, you know, imploring to her that it's not safe for Lita to be there because of the beatdown she suffered last week on Raw. Radicals versus Test, Billy, and Raven in an unusual match. And holy crap, Saturn's stupid silly hat. A wacky Wednesday hat, if you will. And Terry, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, there's like some mom in the crowd holding up a sign saying, uh, I want to take the test. Okay. And Saturn's Fu Manchu mustache here is looking a lot like Hulk Hogan, except Hulk Hogan never wore that ridiculous hat <laughs> that Perry Saturn wore here. Billy is worked over. He hits a fame asser, tags, and someone in the crowd screams, Terry is a hoe. Raven starts going mild on here. You know, the whole uh, clothesline into the corner into that bulldog seamless spot, which is really nice. A frog splash by Eddie is denied. The even flow DDT and Raven pins the European champion Eddie Guerrero in this six-person tag. Maybe it leads to something. No, it doesn't, because Matt Hardy beats Eddie for the European title in, like, a week. And Kai and Tai are going up next against the Big Show in a handicap match here. And there is the obligatory Godzilla joke, because... They're Japanese, and they do the whole badly dubbed funny part. Godzilla is no match for cold, hard cash, because we are evil. Indeed. They hired the APA to take their place. They beat down the big show. Kaintai tries to pin them. Nope. Double choke slam. Bing, bang, boom. Big show wins here. WWF New York, I'm not booked tonight. Trish Stratus, they're talking about her affair with Mr. McMahon, saying that she was more attracted to Vince's billions than his grapefruits, taking me right back to Tara Reid's role in The Big Lebowski. If you know, you know that she took Linda off of the meds and helped her get back into things here. William Regal bans Matt Hardy from ringside for the coming match, or Jeff will be stripped of the Intercontinental title. No problem here. We have Intercontinental Champion Jeff Hardy going up against Triple H. In a rematch, Lita is accompanying Jeff, but not Matt. Jeff wins the title on SmackDown, as I said before here, and there's a lot of good chemistry here between the two. Of course, they would have a world champion championship match some seven and a half years after the fact. And some big time foreshadowing here. A great back and forth match here. There is a swanton miss and Austin jumps Matt backstage with a chair. Lita leaves to go check on him and Austin comes in to the ring and Paul Heyman is uh egging on JR to say Stone Cold Stone Cold say it Jim say it Austin chases Lita around the ring 
and up the ramp and the camera completely misses the finish. We just hear a little bit of a thud and one, two, three. No one knew what was happening except what was going on in the middle of the ring, except the crowd. And you heard Triple H's music and new Intercontinental Champion once again, Triple H. They showed the replay that the cameraman missed. Damn it, Kevin Dunn, what is wrong with you? There was a pedigree here. And then Austin Belt whips everyone. And Steph sends Linda, Lita, I'm sorry, not Linda, holy lord, that would have been awkward, sends Lita back into the ring here, about to get a beat down, but we see the Brothers of Destruction, the Undertaker and Kane, come out to make the save, to stand up for what is right. That is it for this edition of Fretzelmania. Next week, we'll be on my 37th birthday, same day as John Cena. And in a full circle moment, Nate, take a shot. I will be reviewing a Monday Night Raw from my 17th birthday. So until then, this has been Mr. Fretz. I encourage you to listen to all of us on Wrestle Addict Radio. We are the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. And we are the Kings of the Rings Podcast with Willie T, the K. Murphy, and King Ricky Rose. The Delight Show with Mance Chapel. Welcome back, Mance. And the Young Lions Perspective with Mr. YLP himself, Zach. Have a wonderful week, everybody. And we will see you when I'm older. 37 in a row?